No matter the industry, leaders need to hold these things dear. Who we serve, how we serve, why we serve. This is People Process Service, a frontline source group podcast. All right, welcome to a brand new episode of People Process Service. I'm Tyler Kern alongside Bill Casco. Bill, good to see you today. Good to see you, Tyler. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. You have a mouthful over there. I, I'm going to tell you, I'm excited about today. <laughs> and uh, just just go, keep talking. I'm going to just sit over here and I'll, I'll jump in in a minute, but I'm excited. The reason Bill's mouth is full is because we're talking to a real entrepreneur in the health food space today, Joe Oblas. He is the uh, co-founder of Strive Biltong. Did I say that right? Biltong. Absolutely perfect. Okay, so you're going to have to tell us a little bit about what this is because Bill walked in and immediately called it beef jerky, which is not correct. That was a big mistake. Yeah, that was a big mistake. And Joe's a lot bigger than us. A lot Um, bigger. Big mistake. Yeah, you you made a a mistake right there off the bat. But what's the key difference here between biltong and and beef jerky? Because some people are going to get it confused if they just look at it. Uh, Biltong is about 50% more protein Mm -hmm. than beef jerky. None of the bad stuff. And no sugar. And a you know, key difference is biltong is actually never cooked. It's air dried at room temperature. Mm-hmm. And it produces a, you know, more of a different mouthfeel and a more tender texture. I just think it has a much cleaner, you know, taste and none of that aftertaste that you get from, you know, cooked meat products would leave you with a, like a nitrate film in your mouth. Right, right. Well, and I didn't have to like, Rip every filling out of my teeth, you know. Uh, trying. Now, this to... is like eating a piece of sirloin. Yeah, yeah. It's. I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. This is incredible, <laughs> and everyone wants me to share with them, and I'm like, I'm not sure. And Bill's just sitting over there with a bag yeah. over in his corner of the studio, and just you know, popping pieces in his mouth while we're trying to do a podcast. Too. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, Joe, how did you get into this space? Uh, really into um, into this area because. Um, it's it's a really it seems to be a really fast growing market and that sort of thing. So what what was kind of your entrance into the industry? Well, it's kind of a really interesting story. Is that we had just finished uh, selling our sports nutrition brand, mm-hmm. and I was having lunch with one of our competitors, uh, Ted Casey, founder of uh, Dimatize Nutrition, who had one of the most successful exits ever in in that category. And we were talking about uh, what we wanted to do next, and frankly, we wanted a, more of a hobby to kind of. Put forth, and yeah. that was to uh, produce a protein snack. And this protein snack was going to be a baked chicken and baked turkey bites infused with uh, fruit inclusions. And which which is interesting is that it is a, uh, a USDA regulated product rather than an FDA. And in order to launch your product, you have to go through a USDA approval process, which causes you to basically do nothing for about six weeks while they approve your your packaging your your nutritional facts and so forth. Sure. And uh, while doing that, I, w- I started in just an internet search to look for another piece that would go along with the business. And I stumbled across uh, a product called Biltong, of which I had never heard of. But being a sports nutrition guy, I saw the nutritional panel and went, this is, uh, there's something here. And I was really kind of thinking the product was not going to taste good when I first thought about how, it, you know, when I read about it. And I noticed there were some very, very small brands selling Biltong around the country. And I had, uh, so I ordered product from all those places and, and noticed that it, it all originated from the same place. So it led me to believe that there was somebody making it for them. So very quickly went out and uh, met the owner of uh, Biltong USA in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and immediately saw the opportunity and went back to Ted and said, hey, 
uh, we got to change this up a little bit. Uh, the chicken and turkey bites are great, but this biltong stuff is uh, significantly better than beef jerky. And frankly, it's not close. And then you look at the history of biltong, which originates in South Africa from the 1600s. And it's the accepted meat snack in basically the entire rest of the world. And they don't really eat it for the for the health attributes. They eat it because they were raised on it. And it's, and it's sure. a great snack and it tastes, tastes wonderful. And it's very rare that you find a product that actually is truly good for you. It's not a better for you product. So we kind of shy away from better for you. And I, we challenge people all the time, name another snack that is actually truly healthy for you. And, and it's really a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly uh, better for me than, uh, or good for me, unlike the Lay's, that, you know, or potato chips or whatever that I eat on a regular basis. So, uh, I think it's better than a protein bar. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I wonder, I guess, what's the market like for people that are looking for healthy foods and healthy snacks and that sort of thing? Is it hard to get in front of these types of people or are they relatively open to new products when they come into the marketplace? I think most of us struggle to find sources of healthy snack. Mm -hmm. Like for instance, I'll leave the gym in the morning and on the way into the office, I'll stop at racetrack and you know, they have hundreds of different snacks inside racetrack. Sure. I literally walk out of there with the prepackaged hard boiled eggs and that's it. Mm -hmm. And frankly, they, those have continued to get worse and worse. They, they taste strange. <laughs> uh, right, <laughs> They're right. not like a fresh hard boiled egg. It, it's, mm -hmm. I'm kind of tasting like I'm almost eating a processed hard boiled egg, but that's it. That's yeah. the only product that I will buy in a racetrack to eat. And, and that's, that just shows that we have a lot to, you know, to kind of build on here. And, and we had a great meeting with 7-Eleven the other day and we were talking through that same deal the challenge they have is they want to bring in more products that are that are truly good for you there just really aren't any yeah yeah no, so that, the, the that people you got involved with to do this your idea was that you had the same concept then behind this was that the deal yes it was like the the mindset of a healthy product something that's going to help the body and yet at the, at the end of the day just turn to help people right absolutely and and, and we kind of developed our mission as we wanted to help america snack better Yep. By default, the same way we started ProSups, our, my previous company, was we wanted supplements that really worked and really delivered. So we built best-in-class supplements, and that's where ProSups came from. And Strive is no different. We can't go out and market and promote a product that we don't believe in. So it, we're, we identify with everything we do, and in, in our office, everyone walks the walk. Right. So the product didn't change the way it's made or anything like that. This is because one of the things on your website, I noticed it said it was, it's just beef and spices. And I will tell you, it, it's, it's fantastic. I'm yeah. not joking. Yeah. It's not, I'm assuming it comes in smaller packages than uh, the Magnum size I have over here. Because I'm thinking, you know, I, I run in the mornings and I finish five to six miles every morning. And I've looked for something for a long time. And, and actually my trainer at one point had given me, she'd given me some, the jerky word. Uh, that's, which I never want that again. And I didn't like eating that because it was all, it's all, it's, it's not like you're out, uh, hunting or something and yeah, you're not out in the yeah. cold and you're, you're chewing on it. It it was never quickly satisfying to fill that need where you have a hunger. And, and this, I can see having that right after a workout or something to, to make you feel that way. The formula we use to produce Biltong is from a family recipe from 1640. 
And that's as far back as they can trace it. Uh, a gentleman by the name of David Joubert, he's a uh, Afrikaans, and he uh, came to America about 20 years ago. It actually took him when he decided he wanted to bring Biltong here and actually produce a, and open a plant to produce it. Um, it took him 12 years to get USDA approval. And the vast majority of people would have given up long before then. Yeah. So he's really who I would uh, attribute why we have it here in the U.S. And uh, we actually acquired Biltong USA in uh, January of 2018. And that really got us going. But we, we follow his recipe to a T. You were just making a comment. You had been to Walmart and you've, they're in Walmarts and you've got them in all these other stores. And yet, I, I, I'm serious. I don't eat this normally. This is incredible. And so it's not just the beef then. You said you have other SKUs or other products. I mean, what have you been, what can you develop from here? Or what are you guys looking at when you think about the growth for the company then? Well, I think for right now and in, in the near term, we're, we're really built on focused, but we also have uh, sticks, which, if the difference between built, sliced biltong and beef jerky is significant, which it is, the difference between the what we call biltong sticks, which is a, a term we're using, it's not their real technical term, but the difference between that and other sticks in the marketplace is massive. You may have tried uh, some of the other stick pro products on the market, and a lot of them, I'm not going to name names of companies, but they tend to be loaded with chemicals. We're talking the ones where you peel the plastic off and the grease falls into your lap on top of it? Or you squeeze it and the orange stuff comes yes, out? That, that orange, or, yes, that orange unidentified product is coming out. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. So the difference is huge. And that product is a number one seller in most retail channels, which is remarkable to wow. truly understand. And at Walmart, for instance, that is number one and two in their grocery section for meat snacks. Wow. That's insane. That's really, really crazy. It's like a whole nother area that you never would hear. I've never yeah. heard about. And yeah. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe it's just something I had no idea uh, at mm. all that this was out here. Did you ever think you'd be in this business? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were done after the sale of ProSups. And I, I figured that one of my goals was to go coach baseball when, it, when, when we got out of that business because I was pretty tired and worn out. It had been a pretty, you know, 24 seven for five straight years, essentially. And, uh, what we found with, with strive, it, it just was like, what started out as going to be a, you know, a hobby. What, I was going to mentor a, a younger guy who's one of our partners. And, uh, very quickly it was like, oh my, this is even bigger than pro subs. And it got a lot bigger, a lot faster. So you, we were talking earlier and you were discussing kind of that entrepreneurial side with you starting at such a young age. Kind of walk us through that because I think it's always fascinating and interesting to hear where where you started from and how you've ended up and kind of that road. Funny story, even go further back. Uh, myself and my one of my very good childhood friends, uh, T.J. Humphreys, uh, we actually started business together at twelve. And I mean, we laugh about it now that imagine what you would do with your kids. But when we were twelve, we had convinced our parents to allow us to. They would drop us off in the mornings at like the Los Angeles Convention Center. And we would set up, we would buy booth space at 12 and set up and buy and sell and trade baseball cards. And we, we were bringing in thousands of dollars per weekend, but our parents would just drop us off in downtown Los Angeles and come back and get us like at 6 PM. And I can't even fathom 
doing that for one of my kids who was 12 <laughs> in the slightest. I wouldn't let them go to the Gunter, Texas convention center and do that. Right. But um, that's really kind of how it started. And, you know, we were very athletic kids and we, we would go to play racquetball a lot in the, in the Valley, in the San Fernando Valley. And they had a little bar there where they would make concoctions with bananas and some protein powder and, and uh, blend it up and called it a smoothie. And I was out. I was going to Arizona State, and TJ was at uh, University of California, Irvine. He was getting ready to get married, and we just sat down and said to start a business together. TJ is actually two years older than I am. His brother Derek and I are the same age. And he uh, was getting married. We we're sitting there. We're like, let's all go start a business together. So we actually thought about the whole racquetball world days, and we said, okay, let's go make smoothies. So we went to a grocery store, bought all of the frozen fruit we could find and frozen yogurt and so on and started uh, experimenting and making uh, different drinks in his kitchen. And we borrowed uh, some money to open up the first store and there it went. And uh, within the first year, we had uh, I think we had 20 stores in the first year and four years in, we had a hundred, over 100 and then five years in, like we had 150 stores in 22 states and and we brought a venture capital firm in out of uh, Denver, Colorado. Mm. And that ended uh, really well, didn't it? No. <laughs> yeah, the venture capital firm said we needed to get more gray hair in the organization, that kids, with the time we had bleached hair and earrings, we weren't capable of making the, you know, the smart business decisions. Our stores were wild. They were showing active outdoor lifestyle and our walls were essentially splatter painted and it was uh, pretty just ahead crazy. of time. That's all it was, right? We had 35 drinks on our menu boards yeah. and these guys felt it was better that that was way too many. We needed to cut it down to six and they had some guys from Einstein's bagels get involved and felt that these colors were out of control. They needed to be more earth tones and brushed, you know, brushed nickel and brushed, you know, brushed steel in there and kind of turned us into an Einstein bagels. Instead of testing this, they decided that they wanted to turn all of our company-owned stores, which was about 30 of them, basically overnight. So I hired a very large construction firm who closed the stores on Friday with the intention of opening them back up the next week. And as soon as they opened them up, our sales plummeted across the board about 70%. Wow. And they turned very profitable stores into failures essentially overnight. And what's funny, we started that company in 1992. There are still stores open, still open to this day. Wow. I was in Grand Island, Nebraska uh, a couple months back for my one of my son's uh, summer collegiate league games. And uh, the host family contacted the owner of the store and said, hey, would you let him go behind the counter and make a drink? And they let me hop right behind the counter. <laughs> and I, I made my own smoothie and made all my family smoothies uh, there at the store. I still remembered all the recipes. Wow. That's amazing. What did, what did that process and what did... I guess what did you learn from that from that experience then? You know, as you kind of saw those stores that you started get taken away and kind of moved away from your vision, did that I guess kind of leave any lasting lessons with you? We learned to really be much more confident in our own decision making. Mm -hmm. We we uh, we felt that you know a lot of people will come in and tell you you know what what you don't know and and what you're what you should learn and you know I we kind of learned the. The guy who has the, you know, the, the finger on the trigger and, and knows the pulse of the business tends to know better. But that was an early learning experience. Uh, you know, you, you learn a lot later that there are a lot of people that are much smarter than you are. And it's a combination of, I think what, what is most successful is a, you know, competent entrepreneur 
teamed up with very experienced complementary pieces. Yeah, yeah. When you go to build a team now, what are some of the qualities that you look for in people that you are going to work with and partner with now moving forward? There's a pretty common you know, theme out there that we learned very quickly. One of our first juice stop franchisees was a car dealer out of uh, Lawrence, Kansas, by the name of Laird Noller. Mm-hmm. And Laird told us that everybody he hires has to be smarter than he is. And so his challenge also was also to find people smarter. Now, for me, it's not necessary to find people smarter, which would be great and, and is great when, 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 when we accomplish it, but it's to find people with skills that we don't have and that are significantly better, better marketers or better operators. I mean, I know for, for certain, I'm not an operator, mm-hmm. not super organized, uh, have found that when I've come across people that are, are fantastic, you've kind of put that in, into the, in the mental box and then you kind of go back to it when you get an opportunity. And, and we've built a team at Strive that is, um, and I'll put that our team up against any business our size and our leadership team is so strong. And especially right now, we've continued to, to add to it, but we, we've built one for the ages. That's awesome. I, talking about hiring people smarter than yourself, that's an easier task for me than I think for, the, for other people. Well, even the growth, when you think about the growth and, and the, I mean, you have to do that, right? But your yeah. growth and what you've been through, when you, when you look, because you mentioned you've got three, three boys in a family and you, you've got all of this stuff going on at the same time. Do you, do you find yourself running home and with the boys and watching them grow up and going through all this and working kind of the same way that you run the business? Or have you seen a difference or is there something there between the two that's different? I think I make probably too many baseball analogies at work, but uh, I've coached baseball for about 15 years and we find that it crosses over to business almost seamlessly. And, you know, how we coach and how you, you know, adjust, you know, people, one of the things with baseball is you, you always learn is never undress or have that really hard conversation with people in front of others. Mm-hmm. Pull them aside, have a conversation. That is, in business, we see too often people blowing up and being temperamental and, and so forth in front of people. And in the projection there is, uh, I think, puts out such a negative and, and really just realizing how powerful someone's actions are in an office and what that does to the company culture. So really understanding culture has helped out a tremendous amount. And, and I think we've, we've done a pretty good job of fostering, you know, the kind of the identification people have with the business. Now, right. I, w- I will also say that, you know, as far as, you know, how you build a team and the complementary piece of the team and understanding that you, you, you can't have a successful team. If you don't have a pitcher on the mound, you're not going very far. For, right. or, I mean, if your right fielder can't catch the ball, then there, there's <laughs> right. issues. So, you know, we've had to build out that, that whole team and, and we've done it very carefully at Strive and, we have not gotten it right the whole way. We've made countless mistakes. But as I, I was talking to our board yesterday and I, I said, I swing and miss sometimes for sure. But, you know, we've had some awesome hires as of late and they, they're really starting to, to pay dividends. So it's, it's, it's great. So your, your whole kind of entrepreneurial life going all the way through to today from the beginning, all these different things are all focused around in some way people. Right. And, and even the cards, if you think about it, mm. all the way up to this product. Is, is is that your passion? I mean, is there something that you when you look at it now and you think because it's obviously successful again for you? Is that a passion of yours? Yes. Team building and the vision side is, is something that I think I I thrive at. And I don't know how we've gotten some of these people to join our team. I mean, we have a chief marketing officer who's now transitioned to become co-CEO along with me. 
And she is, her previous marketing budget was $350 million per year. Wow. She was responsible for marketing $8 billion in annual sales. She joins a startup with <laughs> just a minuscule fraction of that. Right. And you think about why did she, how did she come join this business? Losing money, unknown product, unknown brand, not extremely well capitalized, but enough to you know, kind of get going. And she's there. And her name is Jaxie Alt, and she's truly amazing. And we just recently hired um, our, our, our new head of sales. His name is Bruce Bettner. He's, he's the guy that scaled Kashi from very small to a very, very large business. And then recently I spent a couple of years in the kombucha space, which has similar challenges to what we have with, you know, educating about biltong. Now that the difference with kombucha and biltong is, is much more flavorful. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of flavor. There's some Sorry. great flavor here. Bill's eating an entire bag. Put an order in when we get back. <laughs> Cause that, that's the whole thing. I think, uh, you, you listen to you talk about that passion that you have for people and, and the growth and these teams and the people you've surrounded yourself with. And that's what it's all about. And then and hearing you with your boys and, and just that family life and what you have. And it's difficult. I mean, you're on the road all the time. It sounds from what you were saying. I mean, it sounds like you are traveling nonstop. Very true. It's a, it's a tough schedule. We have buyer meetings and, and trade shows and different events that we go and attend and, and, and Frankly, a lot of them are learning events, which is great. Uh, it's just it, it's tough to manage the schedule. Uh, my youngest son is a, is a varsity football player. It's his first year getting a chance to start on the varsity team. He's a sophomore. And uh, I saw half the games this year. And that was actually more than I thought I was going to get to go see. Mm -hmm. So I, I half, and, and, and you, you miss half. Right. There's a lot of parents who don't miss any games. A lot right. of parents don't miss any of their kids' events. In our space, you're, you're going to miss probably about half of it if you want to be successful. Where do you want this product to go? What's your vision when you think about it? Our vision for Biltong and, and really for Strive, because you know I don't think down the road Strive will just be a Biltong company. I mean, our mission is to help America snack better. There are people that are are looking at other types of snacks that uh, you know may not want meat based products, and, and for whatever reason. And and I think we we have a there, there's a void in the marketplace for that really to be there. So our plan for really for the business is to is to make Biltong a household name. It deserves a place in America. It's a fantastic product of South African heritage that, mm -hmm. that they are immensely proud of it. We do get an email about once a week, you know, people saying we're stealing their, their, their heritage. We know we have a lot of South Africans on our team. And, you know, I, I do want to make the counter argument to them at some point that I don't think Italians are calling them because I know they have pizza in South Africa <laughs> and saying that they're stealing pizza. But uh, I don't know. You never know with those Italians. Yeah. <laughs> well, I never would have heard of the product if it weren't for what you guys are doing, right? So, like yeah. in a way, it's sharing culture that I never would have come in contact with. Right. And and it's and it's a challenge because, and that's our biggest challenge, and also Strive's biggest opportunity is mm -hmm. I would say currently about less than one percent of the U.S. population knows what biltong is, and typically it's somebody who's traveled to South Africa. The interesting part of that is that there's biltong all over the rest of the world. They just right. don't ever notice it. It's really big in Europe, big in Australia and New Zealand. It's even popular in Asia and, and really far Eastern Europe. Like we follow on social media, the hashtag Biltong, which is really neat because there's tons of posts and you'll see them in every language under the sun. And seeing all these little brands of, of Biltong companies out there is really, really cool. So it's, it's really neat. It's kind of like, I think it's like uh, 
you know, the, the, the Frappuccino yeah. Grande Vente before we figured out what it was and everybody knew that it was this and yeah. then it's the same. It's, it's educating everyone on the product and exactly what it is that it, you don't make the mistake of calling it jerky. Yeah. Because it is not that at all. And, and what's interesting is that I think when you look at the product and you look at the, just even the packaging and then listening to you talk about the story, you, you get a whole different feeling about it. I mean, it's like there's a lot more in this. And then the, the history behind it, mm-hmm. I think, is the most interesting mm-hmm. part when you realize, because I did read that, and I, and I was reading an article talking about the product from South Africa, and I thought, wow, this is a product that literally is something different from this whole other continent that is here, and, and boom, it's in Plano. As wild as it, we have to basically get consumers essentially one at a time. Yeah. And then you, we watch, uh, and, I, and I just heard of this guy not too long ago, was Trevor Noah. Mm. who's, I guess, South African. I've not seen his show before, but I now have seen the excerpt because he has a a segment on Biltong. <laughs> and it's awesome. Yeah. Because he talks about that he was trying to bring it back into the country. You cannot bring Biltong into America. So, because it's beef because, I don't, product? The, it, because it's never cooked. Right. It's a process of uh, minimally processed meat product. And it doesn't have, if it doesn't have USDA approval, they don't. I don't let you bring it in. Okay. So Trevor Noah has a little segment that is hilarious, by the way, but he talks about how awesome it is and frankly, how much better it is than beef jerky. And he's talking about, he's at the airport. He's getting ready to go through customs. He's made aware he cannot bring it in and he's trying to shove it all in his mouth before he goes in (laughs) because it's so awesome of a product. So we sent him a big care package not too long ago, but uh, he's hilarious. And and that, that, that was really kind of funny to see. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's just very interesting to me. Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm having to pass the bag around here <laughs> before it's all gone. And then I, I know this is kind of nitty gritty here if I ask this, but so the packaging does come in smaller sizes. Yes, because <laughs> this is an eight ounce bag, and I mean, it it says six servings in here. So do they have like individual ones. We do. We have uh, we have bags down to currently two and a quarter ounces. Okay. Which you know your eight ounce bag you're holding there currently actually takes us really about a pound and a half of meat to start with to produce that bag. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's absolutely incredible. I also read on the back of the package about uh, Oklahoma. So is it made in Oklahoma? Our manufacturing facility that we built is in Medill, Oklahoma, which is just across the uh, uh, Lake Texoma. It's it's in between Durant and Ardmore. It's kind of about halfway between. And it's about 20 miles north of the the Texas-Oklahoma border. Strange reason how we got there. One of the guys from an ESRP, a former actually Dallas Cowboy, a guy named Tyler Klutz, he goes to our gym and he talked to me about it. He said, hey, would you go look at a building in up in Oklahoma? And I'm like, sure, why not? Because we were looking for a spot to build our manufacturing plant and finding a you know, a 55,000 square foot or some, a building in that size range is, is extremely expensive in, in DFW. And this was a great opportunity. And I think we're now the second or third largest employer in, in Medill, which is, I think there's six or 7,000 people in Medill. Right. And I think we currently up there employ about 80 people. So the product is actually made there? Yes, we manufacture our own product. Right there. Okay. And then you brought up the, the sports side of things. So sports teams involved? We sell product to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the New York Giants, the New York Yankees, the St. Louis Blues. I think we have probably 25 sports teams, about 30 or 40 colleges for their sports programs. One of the ones we're most proud of, we uh, we provide for the U.S. Naval Academy oh, in nice. Annapolis. Nice. 
And we have a, also a big relationship. One of our big customers is the Army Air Force Exchange. So it, it's uh, it's really neat to see the, those advocates for the brand, uh, you know, bringing our product in. Nothing with Mark Cuban. Nothing with Mark Cuban yet. <laughs> I mean, uh, this is a Mavericks thing. It's got to be right. Luca needs some uh, built on for sure. Even the Cowboys. I mean, maybe that would help them. We do some stuff with a lot of the Cowboy guys, yeah. and uh, you know, Travis Frederick is a very close friend of uh, Gabe Karimi, my partner, and. Uh, Besides, we have to go feed Travis every once in a while. I'm a <laughs> big fan of the Halal guys there in uh, in uh, in Plano. So that's typically our lunch spot with him. But there's lots of opportunity to continue to, to scale sports. But when you look at from a magnitude and, and as we're growing a business and building revenue, I mean, I think we sell $1,500 a month like to the average sports team because they, they keep it in their in their training rooms and right. so on for their, sure. for their players to kind of grab. It's funny, you, you look at some of these teams, you would think they have a lot bigger budgets and, and, and really cater and bring all this great stuff in for their players. They, they really don't. I was in Tampa with the uh, New York Yankees, and uh, they have a little kitchen, and it's got chocolate milk and bagels, and, and this is what they're feeding. They're, they're, they're training athletes that are down there for you know extended spring training and stuff. I'm like, you guys are killing me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you look back over from the beginning to where you're at today, what, what, what is that secret sauce? You think that's that it's allowed you to to get to where you're at today from there? Is there anything that stands out? A lot of luck. I will say that, you know, there's a lot of times you have a choice to turn right and turn left. And you turn right, you're successful, and you turn left, you either fail or struggle. And a lot of times it's very some very lucky decisions and timing and you know, hitting things at the right time. I mean, for us, uh, you know, Hershey's made a, a big play and bought the the jerky brand Crave. Uh, about like about four years ago now, and they paid an e- enormous multiple for that, that uh, company. And the average Crave product has between ten and sixteen grams of sugar per ounce. Right when you know keto and all these other diets that, uh, and and the truth really coming out about how bad sugar is for you, to see that happen, and Hershey's goes makes this big acquisition, and it they've they've really struggled with that that brand. And I think in the near term, you're going to see them move away from even offering it as a, as a meat snack. And today in, in listening to your story, similar talking about, I guess I was 12, 11 when I had my first paper out 13 with a couple of them mm-hmm. and I outsourced it, <laughs> figured I'd go around, collect the tips, paid everybody else their money. But the entrepreneurs today aren't the same as what we had that opportunity for. What do you tell people like that, that want to try to do something on their own? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I get hit with that a lot and people that want to jump out there. I hear it a lot as well, too. And I, and I, you know, you got to advise, especially for me coming from, I've, we've put 20 to 30 college baseball players and, and some professional baseball players out there in the past few years. And, and they all ask me. And then, and frankly, when they all go into college, they're, a lot of them want to come to work for us. And, and we have a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Strive employees out there that are, you know, ex college baseball players that I've coached or known. And uh, they all ask about how to start a business. And for me, what I tell people is whatever amount of, of money you think you need to do this, you better have a plan to go exponentially greater for capital because entrepreneurs tend to always shoot it short. I, I really want people to identify the, you know, the market opportunity. And, and a lot of people think that just because they like something or think that it's going to work, they really need to do some you know, real kind of research to, to truly prove up the, the market 
and that's one thing I've really learned a lot from from Jack C is to, you know, kind of sit back and and things that we would never have done in the past, buying data and having focus groups done on our new packaging and and Nielsen research and all this stuff. I'm like, the amount of money that stuff cost would never would have done it. But the right. the value and the mistakes that it can save you from making are huge. Surrounding yourself with great professionals, great great lawyers and, and accountants and and folks, you know, early on in, the, in there that can really help you and steer you in the right direction because we end up really wasting a lot of money. An entrepreneur wastes a lot of money out the gate. I see the ones that are, are timid also. That's not right. If you're an entrepreneur and, you, and you're going to be successful, you cannot be timid. You're going to have to be aggressive and, and, and go full speed because you got a lot of ground to make up to really put a, you know, a dent out there. And, and frankly, for us, it People are blown away at how fast Strive has grown, but we've invested a ton of money, a ton of our own money. And it's not just uh, we went out and raised a bunch of cash. We did this and really intended to self-fund the business the whole way. It just became much a much larger opportunity. So we had to go out and bring some outside capital in. Yeah. And the, and really, I mean, it kind of goes back full circle for what we believe in with having the best people around you, providing uh, an incredible obviously process that you guys have to put this to market and what you're doing with your people. And then really a service that people don't realize. I mean, it's a great product and a healthy product and fills a, a really fills a void that's out there for, for something that's healthy to help people day in and day out. And I, I can actually tell you that I would eat this like all the time. It, yeah. It's an incredible taste. Uh, and it's not, it's just, it, it tastes fantastic. My wife is going to be just livid. Uh, she's gonna be. That's just too much beef. Right? <laughs> just shouldn't eat that much. But uh, no, it's an incredible product. A, a very interesting. Uh, obviously, business as well. It's something totally different. But it, it really, it's interesting. Your stair step kind of way you've gone from one to the next and into this product. And then, where do you think down the road? I mean, where do you want to be? What is your what's your plan? What's your thought? Pro- I mean, is this just another step to something additional down the road that'll lead? We get asked all the time about exiting and what does that look like and when do you want to exit? And I hear that all the time. And I, and I, and this is another, to your previous question also, I, I see that with entrepreneurs as well. They are building and, and intending to build a business for the purpose of exiting. And I struggle with that mightily because you seem to be disingenuous to building a company if the purpose is just to get rid of it. You don't raise a child to get rid of it. I mean, I don't rid- know. <laughs> <laughs> I finally got two out the door and I'm pretty happy. I got two out the door as well. So I'm, I'm feeling, I, I feel good about that yeah. part, but you, you do want them to come back. Right. And, and you right. do want to stay involved. And I, and I got the question we were doing our offsite leadership and kind of building out our plan. It was, I was asked that question, where do you want to be in three years? So I want to build an awesome company and the exit stuff will take care of itself. If, if we build an awesome company, it'll have value. I, we're not building or making decisions based on somebody wanting to purchase us at some point. But that is something that I think is, is lost because we're not doing it for that exit. No, it, I think you're 100% correct. And, and we get the same thing. We get the same question to us. And uh, when you go through certain steps and you do have an opportunity to possibly exit and then you realize it's not the right time, it's not the right thing. And you dig your heels in a little bit deeper. And when you're passionate about something, 
that I think is what really pushes you every day because it's not an eight to five job. No. <laughs> yeah. Everybody yeah. thinks it's eight to five. No, it's uh, it's five to five. Yeah. <laughs> and that's 5 a.m. to 5 a.m. <clears throat> that's right. That's right. There, there's no days off and there's no time off. The opportunity for success and, 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 and building a business and, and all that kind of stuff, it, it's people got to do it for the right reason. And monetary reason is, is, is going to get you in trouble. Right. Well, you've been very successful at it. Obviously, this is a great story. And I appreciate you. I really do coming in and talking about it. You enlightened me in a product that I had no idea. Yeah. No idea. No. So I mean, we, we learned a lot. I'm going to have an auto shipment going to my house. Yeah. And, okay? and uh, yeah. Amazon will love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Learned a lot. And now a uh, new snack for you, Bill. I know. It, it really, I, guys, I'm, I'm serious. Uh, Strive. And what's the, the website to actually order it? So or they can order it through Amazon or where would you prefer they go? Mm-hmm. Huh. Let's put it that way yeah, instead that's of a, just that's, pitching that's that one. That's the better question. We prefer the most convenient place for, for our customers because, you know, we care about the customer. And I know that gets lost in a lot of people. Yeah. I think I personally answer customer service issues all the time because things happen. But uh, we're, we're on Amazon. Okay. And uh, Amazon's great. And, and we really like our growth. We are, we are up. 200 times where we were a little over a year ago. Wow. So the growth there has been fantastic. The Strive website is currently, which is strive.com, S-T-R-Y-V-E, is going to change here in about a month. It still has our, what we call our existing packaging and branding on it. And there's a, there's a website actually behind it that's not uh, turned on yet. That'll be much more uh, user-friendly. And have a lot more bundle options and subscription and, and autofill and all that kind of stuff. Nice. Is this a Whole Foods product type of product too? We're working with Whole Foods. Uh, there's going to be an upcoming meeting here in the next few weeks, and and they are a fantastic retailer to to build a brand in as well. So we're we're really excited about the opportunity there. I mean, our mission for the year is to get Strive into Target, Costco, uh, Albertsons, Publix, and Kroger. And we just recently got started going into HEB, so groceries starting to come on for us pretty quick. A lot of those channels. I mean, you only have so many. And we talked about the, yeah. the amount of hours in a day. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Problem is if you work 24 hours, a lot of times the people you work with don't. So you have to kind of fill in with their schedules and the way resets work. And you know, coming from sports nutrition, you cut a deal with a GNC or a vitamin shop. They, they make a purchase order and you're, you're going. You don't have these, you know, semi-annual or annual resets where you have to, you know, time it just right. And they, they're working on their you know, upcoming planograms and spatial constraints and, then there's issues of certain larger uh, brands that want to dominate that space, and right. so it's it's a, there's tons of stuff to learn. I've can, learned. It. Can that space in Oklahoma handle that type of volume? We currently can go up to about a hundred million dollars a year in revenue in uh, Medill, Oklahoma. We also own a lot of land around the, the building, so we can build another building if we so choose, or expand our existing one. Nice. I, I love the idea also of it being, you know, made right here. Yeah, in in Oklahoma, in a city that isn't uh, that probably needs the jobs as well, um, definitely, and, and which is fantastic, giving really giving back. People, people, Oklahoma were fantastic, right? And just the the fact of how it makes you feel. Realize they lost a ton of jobs in Medill, 
Right. The reason our building was empty wasn't because they built it on spec. It was a former business. Right. And it was an old, uh, a former peanut plant and uh, it had gone out of business and Archer Daniels Midland had acquired a portfolio of buildings and that one was kind of in there and but they had lost a lot of these jobs. A lot of people we've hired used to work at the old peanut facility. Wow. So there are people that know our building far better than we do. <laughs> right. But the, it's fantastic. You go up to you go up to Medill and they're such great people and you go to little restaurants in town and so we we add to that economy not just by hiring people but we're you know we, we spend in the gas stations and we go yeah. to the restaurants and and we're trying to be the best, you know, stewards in that community that we can and we uh, put on some events out there. We take all of our people out where they barbecue at least, you know, twice a month out for all the employees. And we've, we've done a lot of stuff with the school districts there. And we're doing some with uh, Dallas after school here in the Dallas area as well, because also feel that though we will never put on our packaging, because there's some, an issue I have is I'm not a big person into promoting what you do from a charitable standpoint. Right. And a lot of brands and it, and it, drives me nuts to see it when they talk about, well, if you buy my product, I'm going to give away 10% of my profit to whomever. Right. Makes you question the authenticity. Of yeah. It's a, it's a marketing yeah. piece, yeah. Right. but you have to kind of do the stuff behind the scenes and, and what difference really, what do we stand for? What do we want to promote and, and what do we want to accomplish with doing this and what other benefits can we you know make happen? And, and frankly, kids are, struggle with snacking even far worse mm. than adults do. And a lot of adults, because they don't have the education on, on nutrition, they just want to give the kid whatever just to make them stop asking for something to eat. And you end up with Rice Krispie treats and all kinds of candy and mm. junk food and so Rice forth. Rice Krispie treats. <laughs> so they're tasty. It, it, they're you not really great for nutrition. Uh, no, I've got this. I don't need any yeah, Rice yeah. Krispie treats. Well, it, it says a lot about uh, the company, Joe, and about the way you feel about things. And, uh, that's that says a lot, and so I, I can tell you, very very nice to hear uh, because you don't hear that a lot. I know how much goes into this. I know how much time away from your family and and what you put into the blood, sweat, and tears of this stuff, day in and day out. And I can appreciate that. And I know there's a lot of people that can as well. So thank you for coming today and visiting with us. Incredible hearing about the product. Really, yeah, just incredible. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And. I what I've loved about every episode that we've done is just different perspectives and different ways of going about things. None of them better than another, but just always unique perspectives. And that's been really, really cool. I so just think it's interesting like to that. sit and talk with someone who you hear him talking about starting it, being an entrepreneur yeah. with trading cards <laughs> in LA. I mean, you Have know, it just goes to show, it, but it shows, I mean, it, it, some of this stuff is in your DNA. Mm -hmm. What'd your parents do? Home building industry in Southern California, yeah. which Ooh. if we all know how that went, my youth was was um, you know, relatively comfortable mm -hmm. up until the time I was about a junior in high school. And then the California real estate market crashed. I believe that would have been about 87 or 88. And instantly from success to, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it was really bad there in the 80s in California. So teaches you to really be responsible and have to go out and realize that, hey, there's a chance I'm going to have to go fend for myself. I better start learning some stuff. And and, mm -hmm. and, and we were all real competitive kids, myself and, and, and like I said, the Humphreys boys and, and people we all grew up with. It's a different, it was a different generation back then. You know, yeah. we still went out and played. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was ingrained in you and you also have uh, that experience that you went through. And so you understand that you don't wait for things to happen. You're going to go make something happen. 
there's a lot to be said about that. Oh, yes. And, and, and when, you ha- when you lose things and you realize that uh, stuff happens sometimes that you can't control, right? then, frankly, at the end of the day, you just got to go work harder and work right. smarter. That's right. Well, thank you for coming in. Appreciate I appreciate it. Wonderful visit. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll have another episode coming out soon. As always, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, all of that good stuff, Bill. Thanks for being here, and we'll uh, yep. do it again Thanks, soon. Thanks, Tyler. Yep. Appreciate it. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.